Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, an SB Nation blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am Will Chase, joined only tonight by Eric Seeds. What's up, Seeds? Hey, how's it going, Will? It's going. It's uh, it's it's March. March Madness is almost here. I can look forward to that at least. Yeah, exactly. It was ni- it was nice of the Blue Jackets to uh, lose a two game homestand over my birthday weekend. Thanks for uh, thanks for the gifts there, uh, Columbus. That's why I sent you the apology ahead of the game Saturday because I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't feeling too good about it. I did think they were going to split. For some reason, I thought they're due to win a game in Nashville, and we're going to get into this, but we know by now they can never, ever win in Nashville. But And I have the dubious stat that we'll drop later. So jumping right into this thing. So I don't know about you, Seeds. I know you and a bunch of other people that I've seen on Twitter over the last couple of, well, at least over the last year or so, have been kind of shouting from the rooftop so to speak about maybe it's time to move on from Tortorella and I feel like that chatter on Twitter has definitely started to pick up intensity now I don't know what the overall fan base thinks it's probably split and I I know I've been a torch defender but even I'm like okay this team looks bad I don't think the offense is being utilized the way it could be the young players need to be able to mature blah 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 we all know the storyline right now the power play has been horrible for five years basically so see it's uh yeah, it's another sweep in Nashville. You're in they've only won against Nashville once this year. They've dropped all four in Nashville. Luckily, they won't be back there again this season. A team but, that is very clearly trying to blow it up at this point. Yeah. I mean, Nashville, they're they they have their own coaching hot seat rumors it sounds like with John Hines, but uh yeah, like I was saying I, th- I feel like the chatter I mean, even Portsline asked him the question. Right. It's like, it's definitely starting to pick up steam in the media, at least. And he, I think he and Kika Linen are going to talk tomorrow. And it sounds like the, the quote-unquote dreaded vote of confidence. Yeah, I... Obviously, anyone who listens to this podcast with regularity and anyone who reads my writing or comments at the canon knows I am not exactly the most sympathetic to the John Tortorella coaching experience. I kind of always been on the bandwagon of this guy is getting hired. He's going to have a shelf life. And when he, when we come up to the end of that shelf life, whenever it is, you have to cut bait sooner rather than later. There's no point in delaying the, what will eventually be inevitable. And it appears we've gotten to that point. 
while listening to the game yesterday, the end of the game, I was out. We or we were out walking the dog. You didn't miss anything. One takeaway I noticed during the third period, and I wanted to draw attention to it because I feel like it, it's a microcosm of the entire everything this team is going through. Late in the game, the Jackets went on a power play, obviously down two to one with a chance to tie the game late. Late in the game, probably looking for offense, Tortorella swapped Seth Jones off the number one power play unit uh, for Zach Wierenski. Zach Wierenski is obviously the better offensive player, but since Patrick Liney has arrived, Seth Jones has generally been driving the number one unit given Wierenski's injury. The power play, while it hasn't been great since Liney showed up, it's been league average thereabouts which is worlds better than what it's been for the last few years. The Blue Jackets won that faceoff. Nick Foligno won the faceoff, got it to line A, and line A threw a pass back to the blue line on that power play, expecting the defenseman to be there because it's where Seth Jones has been during this little stretch of you know competency from the power play. Wierenski wasn't there. He wasn't expecting the pass. The Blue Jackets never... The, the puck crossed out of the zone. The Blue Jackets never entered the zone again. And after a bad play in the neutral zone, the uh, Predators went the other way and scored a shorthanded goal. And that was all she wrote. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's just a microcosm of everything we've seen. Like, guys have no chemistry. There's no communication. Lines are being jumbled in critical moments with n- seemingly no cohesion, no communication, no chemistry, no nothing. It's like there's not really a plan, never mind game to game, period to period, shift to shift at this point. It's like it to me, it's like watching a coaching staff that has run out of answers and they're just throwing things at the wall to see what sticks at this point. Right. Uh, I mean, literally between Saturday's game and Sunday's game, you had Nick Felino go from first line center to third line right wing literally overnight. The players aren't dumb. They can very clearly see that there's just not really a plan. There's no cohesion. There's no collective viewpoint of like, because there have been articles on The Athletic and elsewhere of or this team is trying to develop the centers, but Tortorella doesn't feel like he can develop the centers and try to win. So they're trying to play Nick Felino and Boone Jenner at center more, but that's not really getting other guys going. Meanwhile, yesterday you had out or uh, on Sunday's game in the loss against the Predators, Alexander Texier, one of the young centers you're trying to develop, who started the season on a hot point streak, played seven minutes and 58 seconds. So it's just, there's, there's no cohesive vision for what they want this organization to be, what they want this club to be, what they want the team on the ice to be. Now, as you mentioned, Will, and I'm sure we'll get into this in a minute, Yarmo came out and said there's no imminent firing of Tortorella and that he and Tortorella are going to speak to the media and address things Tuesday at roughly 1030 before the game against Detroit. And we can get into what that press conference means in a hot minute, but it's just to me, this does sound like the dreaded vote of confidence because anyone can tell, either listening or watching the game, that this team just it not only lacks cohesion in chemistry, they just lack energy. There's no hustle. You know, you're you're down two you're down two to one late in the third period against a team who's taken four out of five off you at that point this year. And there's just no energy, no rush, no push and not only that but this team just isn't getting shots on net we're dead like i'm writing the preview for tomorrow's game and we are literally dead last in shot share in the nhl like at five on five we are dead last 
you have to at some point you've got to put pucks on net to try to score. It's so yeah, we can get into the Tortorella more, but yeah, it just I see it as a microcosm of the issue that there's just it just doesn't look like there's a plan. Yeah, you know, like they they put like Domi on the wing and Domi or Taxier and trying they they've been talking about how Domi's been struggling with the system and they want to take off the defensive pressure of playing center and you know, I just wonder how much of that is I mean, I know that Domi's been like a guy like Domi's been struggling, so it might make sense, but when it comes to it's so easy to gloss over something like oh, this the system so and so is struggling in this system and Domi has said that he has played complicated systems and I, I i don't know i just want to know what that really means i wonder like if it's torts specific in this case or uh if it's if they had another coach would he gel more i don't know i just wonder like when they talk about these systems because uh, he's an nhl or he's been on different teams before i really want to know what's so different or what's so complex about it i don't know all the x's and o's behind it all i've obviously never played hockey i'm not a i can't skate to save my life but I read something the other day that like by the time these guys get to the NHL, they've seen most system. They know roughly what to do. So I wonder if it's more just a lack of cohesion and communication on the ice. And I, it, it really does feel like a lack of chemistry. Like it sucks that there, there wasn't really a training camp for these right. guys to develop chemistry in, but it also, have we seen lines the same for more than two periods at this point, let alone like a week or two to develop chemistry. It's just like, you know, you know, if you, if you keep consistently rotating lines on a period by period basis going with who's hot and, you know, suddenly Roslovic and Felino play 25 minutes and Alex Texier plays six. It's hard to, it's hard to, build chemistry with anyone else out there because you don't really know what's going. Yeah, and I do wonder how how much that frustrates a player when they're playing with a guy for a period and all of a sudden it's a different guy and, you know, they like you said, the chemistry has got to be an issue or the cohesion of just knowing where your teammate's going to be. But, you know, maybe it's not a bad thing. Like I was saying, like Felino going back to the third line. But like you said, first line one day, third line the next day, jumping here and there. I, I kind of gloss over it sometimes, and I think they're professionals; they'll figure it out. But I think you're right. I mean, at some level, it has to. It's matter, just like right? in our every. I like I like to try to relate it to my own everyday thing. Like I get used to something a certain way, and then when something changes, it's like, oh, I got to figure this out. I got to learn this. It's fine, but I was grooving along just fine one way, and now I got to do it a whole other way now. So yeah, like you said, equating it to your right, own workday. Right. Like if I was given certain tasks that I that I try to do every morning by 10 a.m. and suddenly my boss drops three new things I mean I know I need these done first before you start any of these and I've been doing these other tasks every day for you know three weeks before 10 a.m. suddenly you know it's gonna throw me off and I'm gonna be a little paralyzed and have to think a little harder and therefore everything's gonna be slower and moves just slower and it looks like this team is just as a lack of routine and chemistry they're just overthinking and as a result probably pressing and trying to do too much, especially right. the young guys who yep. know if they make one mistake, yep. you know, they could be like Dean Kukin and vanish into the phantom zone, never to be heard from again. That's my problem. So like I was saying, I've been a torch defender, but at the same time, it's like, okay, it's been five years. I'm tired of, I, I want to see, I want to see progression. I do feel like, I think any coach does have a shelf life and we knew torts going in probably have that shelf life. And I think we've hit that. And I do think now I know in previous seasons, we've seen this team get off the slow starts, but you can't have a slow start this year in a shortened season. And that's the other thing. Why Why should we expect, why should we just say, okay, 
they start out slow, it's normal. It doesn't have to be normal. Just because we're used to it doesn't mean that we should just say, oh, slow start. They'll just come on a get on a bender here at some point because you can't rely on that every year, especially in a short season. Right, we're, right. And you can't. The condensed scheduling. Right, is, we're 40% of the way through the season right now. Right. And, and and the other thing, too, is I'm tired of the power play. I'm tired of the same storylines. I'm tired of how boring and dull this team is. When I was doing the recap yesterday, I was thinking, why why do we have to always get so used to not only the power play being bad, the offense doesn't get shots, like you said, or score, but that it's just stupid mistakes. John Luke Grumpier was saying it, you know, talking about they didn't have the urgency. Mm-hmm. They, they lacked urgency or, you know, they didn't seem desperate or maybe sometimes they're too desperate. But you know what I mean? They just they don't have the urgency down late. The other thing is they score first almost every game and they have. They're mediocre. Their record is so mediocre. They're under 500. But we are six, six, and four in games we score first this year, and that's that's not. It's just not good enough. Like yeah, and I just I just feel like look, Torts got this team to making the playoffs every year, which is right. great, and that's what we needed. But now it's time to take that next. It's been time, but it's definitely time to take that next step. So, and I think Torts would agree. Like I'm sure, maybe in the in the moment of all of this going on during as as a coach. He's going to say what he's going to say. But if he has time in the future to reflect back on this team and say, yeah, obviously we weren't good enough in certain right. areas. Like, he knows it. No one, like you said, the right. players it's, aren't dumb. Everybody at knows some what's, point, what's, At some what's point, you have here. to look at the results on the ice and just say it's just not good enough. And it's in, into what you just mentioned. I think I think I've said this before, but it's not it's not the – I mean, it is the way that they're losing that sucks because, you know, you see the uh, – and I, and I have extreme problems with this past weekend because it looked it just looked lazy and lethargic and unmotivated. And that looks to me like a room that is just yep. checking out and you cannot you cannot have right. at that point. You have to make a change. I, do I think getting rid of John Tortorella makes this team a do, do I think this makes them the Tampa Bay Lightning? No, I do not. I, I can recognize reality, but I can also. But could it, you know, maybe loosen a couple guys' sticks and they play a little freer, and you know, maybe a couple of the young kids get a, gain a little more confidence to play through a mistake, knowing they might not get banished to Cleveland for three solid weeks or ride the taxi squad. Like, I think I think those are reasonable expectations if the coach leaves. You know, guys might play a little freer. But to your to your point about just how they're losing, I think that what what irritates me the most is how predictable it is. It just every every loss that this team has suffered this season has felt very similar in that they score early, they have defensive miscues, they play poorly in the neutral zone, they give up a bad goal on either a rebound or a blown defensive assignment where guys are spinning around, you know, with due to a lack of communication or a lack of just a defensive awareness from certain players on the ice. And then they they allow an empty netter or a bad goal late, and that's that's, that's that. It's basically how this team has lost all all year. And like I said, we're forty percent of the way into this season, and it is you, you know we're gonna get we're gonna get to Yarmo and his incoming press conference here shortly. Yeah. But man, it is it is getting late early in Columbus. I, I don't necessarily expect a, a mid season coaching change, and I don't know if it's just I the, the thing I think about mostly with that is that. If the coaching staff is all taking pay reductions and all that with this whole pandemic, I don't know how much that plays into it, but that's what I'm thinking. I don't know who they. I don't know what their situ- I don't know what they would want to do. I don't know if they would want to go to an interim coach right away or have a guy ready to t- like you know when they went to torch the first time or when they went to name whoever. I know they've had interim coaches. They had Gerard. They had Gerard Gallant in the past. Could you see him coming back as a coach? I think he's going to go to like Seattle or something. 
Yeah, I think I think he's going to end up in Seattle, but it would, it would be, be awesome funny, to yeah. have him back. I totally agree with your point that I don't have. Given that the it was reported that the the coaching staff is operating at a twenty percent pay reduction, I don't honestly expect there to be a coaching change. I don't think it's in McConnell appetite in Mike Priest's wheelhouse to pay to pay John Tortorella to not coach, even if it was just, you know, to bring in an interim basis. I think they're just going to play out the string and whatever happens, happens. And maybe let Tortorella ride off into the sunset this summer. That's what I'm Financially, yeah. I don't think they have the appetite to do it. Do I disagree with that? Yes, because just because of what I mentioned earlier of them, of the players and the lack of energy and effort I saw on the ice, that to me is the most concerning thing. That's why that's why I would make the change because I don't want to. I, I frankly, I personally don't want to watch thirty games of guys just going through the motions like that. Like I don't want to do that. Yeah, it's it's boring. It's boring. I'm glad I, me and you both have NHL TV and it's great watching other games. And not just I am Blue Jackets right so now. So we are recording this on Monday night at seven twenty. I cannot wait for Edmonton Toronto at ten tonight. I am ludicrously excited for that hockey game it's funny to me when Edmonton gets shut out or, or loses a game when you have Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl and the, McDavid alone but you know today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you your budget your life your style and if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. So I, like you've mentioned, I've mentioned before, and do you have thoughts? I want to hear your thoughts before I give mine. What do you have thoughts on the incoming press availability of Kekalainen and Tortorella tomorrow. Well, to me, it's kind of notable because I feel like they they're talking because they know that this is a thing right now. Like Portsline asked the media or asked Torts, I should say. He asked Torts this. Uh, I, like I said, I saw a chat. I've been seeing chatter pick up on Twitter. Now that doesn't say much, but you know what I mean. The, it, it's a thing. It's a topic. People are starting to think about it and talk about it. So the fact that Kika Linen and Torts is talking also, right? The fact that they're even going to talk about it just shows you that they know they have to address it or they feel the need to address it. If you any time that the GM is going to talk about something in season like that, it's sort of saying, look, 
they may not be firing him, but it's like they know what's happening. They see the reality of what the situation is right now. Yeah, I agree. Like there, there was speculation Saturday evening. Friedman was talking about it on Hockey Night in Canada that there's speculation yeah. that Columbus is getting restless. Right, I think right. his quote was getting restless. There have been other speculations. Uh, the fourth period put out today that David Savard and Nick Foligno could be trade deadline bait. Yarmo is a patient man in certain scenarios. Other times he's obviously very much not, but he's willing to, you know, let things play out and see, see what's going on. So the fact that he is coming before the public to talk about what is happening and what is going on with John Tortorella's future, I think is notable. I, like I said, I think it's just that dreaded vote of confidence that so often precedes firing or maybe precedes the inevitable retirement of Tortorella and the parting of the ways this summer where Yarmo brings in a new coach to kind of take this group on the next step after Tortorella did so much to raise the profile of this organization to, you know, consistent playoff contender and pest in the thorn of so many sides. I just, I am very, very interested to see the tone that Yarmo takes, the tone that Tortorella takes. Obviously, they're they can't come out. They're going to come out and they're going to be disappointed because we're all disappointed. There's fan, fans are angry. Fans are taking to Twitter and just saying like like how much more of this can we possibly take? We all we all see the signs. We all see this team struggling. We all see them making mistakes and gripping sticks too hard. Tomorrow yeah. should be a very interesting day in the world of Blue Jackets hockey, and in, in, in a season that has been a lot full of headlines. You know, we we we've had the PLD drama, the Patrick Line trade. And now, and now we've got this team on a five-game losing streak. Where if they don't beat Detroit tomorrow, they've got an upcoming slate that's going that's not going to be kind to them. This team has led the has been the top headline on NHL.com a lot this year, and we've always asked for more media coverage. But maybe not in this way. What gets me about the Jackets? We're going to talk more about the upcoming games against Detroit and Dallas, but. I just cannot get over the fact that this team literally cannot win in Nashville. The last time they did was when they had Duchesne and the Zingle and all those guys before they swept Tampa. What was like one of the last games of the season they won in Nashville. They have nine all-time wins in Nashville. And that, mind you, this team, they were division rivals for more than a decade. And they have nine all-time wins in Nashville. I think they have more wins in Detroit than they do in Nashville. I mean, talking about when Detroit was a dominant team. It's insane. Yeah, I went to a game in Nashville. I I did the ja- Jacket Backers um, road trip, and I actually, you know, I took a bus down to Nashville. To, uh, we left the morning of the game. I took a bunch of Jello shots on the bus. We got we were drinking on the bus, and we got down there. And then they and then they beat they beat the Preds in that arena. It was really cool. Sergey Bobrovsky was. Where was it? I want to say, I want to say it was like 2014. Okay. Back in that might have been their second to last win in Nashville for all we know. I mean, that team, I swear, it's insane how how much they do- get dominated there. And it gets them overall, but especially in Nashville. Like, what is it about that place? It's got to be psychological at this point, for yeah, the most part. Uh, I mean, I be- excuse me, I believe it was 2013 they beat Nashville three to one in Nashville. Yeah, I don't know what it is about Nashville. I don't know if they're afraid of country music. I don't know if they, you know, spend too much time on broad on Broadway the night before or spend too much time at the stage or wherever. But yeah, it's, it's something about that city that in my entire, uh, in my entire life watching this team from the days of like Jordan Tutu way back in the day has just collectively owned this hockey club. Like 
the GM of the Predators. I don't remember his name off the top of my head. David Poyle. David Poyle. Yeah, he can't, Poyle. he can't he can't yeah. build a Stanley Cup winner, but he can build a team to collectively destroy the dreams of Columbus Blue Jackets fans. I, I yeah, you know, it's funny. They haven't won a cup, but they've gotten there and they've had a lot of playoff years. And he's the only yeah, GM I mean, in that franchise's yeah. history. It blows my mind. Right, twenty plus years. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's wild. It's wild that we can't we can't beat the Nashville Predators in Nashville. It's like it, it feels hard that we. It feels like it's rare that we actually beat them here. They'll play Detroit Tuesday night, and then they'll play two against Dallas in Dallas for the first time this year. Uh, so see, so I don't know if you saw it, but I had a I did a podcast with uh, Max Boltman of the Athletic. He covers the Red Wings, and we were talking about the two teams, and. He was talking about how Detroit was terrible on the power play, struggling there, struggling offensively. And I was like, are we talking about Columbus or Detroit? Because there's so many similarities, it seemed like, between the two teams. Detroit actually picked it up a little bit. They got blown out last night in Chicago, but they split two games there. But coming into that series, they had some wins against the Predators of all teams. So they actually split with the Nashville and they split with Florida. Wow. So Detroit actually lost 7-2 to Florida on the 19th of February. They lost 7-2 yesterday, but then they had a couple of the wins in between. So they're kind of they have they have more wins in their last five than Columbus does, put it that way. So I don't think Detroit's a gimme. The way Columbus is playing right now, and Detroit's coming off a, ter- a horrible loss, so they're probably going to be mad anyway. I don't think Colum- at this point Columbus is only four points ahead of Detroit in the standings. I wouldn't say any games to give me for Columbus at this point. No, I I wouldn't either. I I've been writing the preview, looking at stats and stuff, and like. Detroit's a better shooting team than that. Granted, Detroit Detroit is better at volume shooting. They can't buy a finish. They're they're a worse finishing team than us. They can't. And uh, if we think Columbus is bad on the power play, Detroit's like eight percent on the year this year. They're like eight point eight percent. They cannot buy a finish with the man advantage. Bobby Ryan yeah, leads their yeah. team in scoring with like twelve points, right. and he's been a nice pickup for them. You know, he'll probably get flipped at the deadline for a pick, which is good. You know, Detroit Detroit's a rebuilding squad. They need yep, all the picks yep. they can get, so they can sign a vet, have him get some, have him put up some numbers, and flip him to a team that needs a finishing second liner. Yeah, it's good for them. They also have Thomas Grice, and I feel like Grice has. Kind of had his way with Columbus, although I'm looking that up to see. Yeah, I, I don't think this Columbus team can take Detroit for granted. Detroit's a proud organization that's got a lot of nice history that's fallen on tough times. But I see a team that was in it for a while against that Hawks team last night. They they ended up losing. The, the score is worse than the game was because Detroit, Detroit put up 21 shots on goal in the first period in that game. Detroit, you know, was right there. It was 2-2 after – or it was – it was 1-1 after the first period. Detroit was right in it, scored a power play goal, make it cut into Chicago's lead. But, you know, the defense just kind of fell apart, and Thomas Grice ended up breaking his stick over the crossbar in frustration at the end of the game. But Wasn't it 2-1 after 1? Was it 2-1? Anyway, I mean, it was close. Regardless, it's not like Columbus has held with Chicago all that often this year. What terrifies me the most is, you know, for all the talk about how bad Detroit has been lately, first of all, they had more wins than we did last week. Second of all, one more. Uh, if Detroit beats us tomorrow night, they're within a game of Columbus. They're within two points of us in the standings, and that's real bad because Detroit was expected to be horrific this year. People thought Columbus could contend for a playoff spot, and right now we are closer to the bottom of the division than we are closer to fourth place. That's just not good enough. Detroit has seven wins this season. Thomas Grice has one of them. He's 1-11-3. But against Columbus in his career, Thomas Grice is 10-9, and 
and he has a 280 goals against with a 908 save percentage. The stoppable so, force. Uh, yeah, means I mean, Detroit's going to have a horrible loss. Columbus isn't playing all that well. Wouldn't surprise me at all if Detroit wins tomorrow. I guess we'll see, though. There will be fans in Nationwide Arena for the first time. So for what that's worth, maybe they'll get some kind of spark from that. I don't know. But poor fans. Credit to, credit to you brave fans who are paying to, paying to go see this crap live. That's what I'm thinking. So before we close out, we'll talk about the Dallas Stars also on tap for the rest of the week. Uh, it's two games in Dallas. That's another team that they're... Columbus is ahead of them for now. Are they? Are the Stars bad? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I know that they had a lot of games postponed. So, you know, they're in last place, but they've also only played 16 games versus 23rd. Did you know that the Dallas Stars started this season 4-0 and and have only won two games since that? Did you know that? That's crazy. Or are they just a victim of not... Of like, because not only did, not only were they stopped for COVID and they just started late, but then they had the whole Texas power outage where they didn't play. Like, it's funny too because they actually had those games were actually postponed due to COVID protocols, but it may as well have been for the Texas power outage and all that stuff anyway with what was going on. But yeah, they're in last place. They do have only sixteen games played this year, but still sixteen games, six six and four. You would like to think that, okay, they're a last-place team. Columbus should be better than them and beat them. But I think this is a situation where, again, Dallas may or may not really be worse than Columbus. But even though the standings might say that, we know what Columbus has been, as we were talking about all podcasts. And Dallas, um, we know that they have some weapons. They destroyed Columbus a couple of weeks ago in Columbus. So they split the two games. But... Yeah, that's another one. It's, it's I, I think the, I think looks can be deceiving in this case. Right. You know, Joe Pavelski remains terrifying. That was a good signing for them. And they're, and they're last in the division by points. But if you look at points percentage, which I remain convinced that's how the NHL is going to have to end up seeding the playoffs. If you look at points percentage, they're still ahead of not only Detroit, but Nashville and Columbus. So they're, they're getting points and... They, they might have only played 16 games, but they, I guess, are looking all right when they do it. They need to find a little more consistency, not only in on in their play on the ice, but in like their actual schedule. But it's, I don't think this is a bad team. I think they need a little jolt of confidence. And if you, if they get a reeling Columbus, like if even if Columbus goes to overtime or a shootout and beats Detroit, like that's. I mean, it's a win in the books, but man, it can't build that much confidence. And if you, and then to go to Dallas, like it could be, it could be lights out on the season for Columbus. The, the Athletic has our playoff chances at four percent right now. Micah McCurdy in, at Infinite Math on or, or at Ineffective Math on Twitter has uh, our playoff chances at thirteen percent. Like Columbus could be going there with like the entire hopes of their season on the line. And if so, if that's not motivation for Dallas to just put the nail in the coffin to jumpstart their, not only jumpstart their campaign, but just in Columbus' season. It, it could get real dark real early before the 50% mark here in, in Columbus. So we got a big week ahead of us here. I'll close out on a positive note. So every year we talk about the Blue Jackets being pathetic, it seems like, at some point early in the season. And I count them out. And I'm saying how this is bad, this is boring. And then they turn it around. So like we were saying earlier, you can't rely on a slow start and then just getting hot later. They have done that. And I even said before this season that I learned my lesson and I won't count them out. So even though I feel like counting them out, 
I guess I won't, but we know it's late because of the situation of this season. So yeah, they better win two of three games this week, if not all three. I've got, I'll close out on a positive note as well. You know what? We all talked about how Seth Jones was having a slow start to his year and he, and he didn't look all that great. You know what? Jones has 11 points in his last 13 games, including points in nine straight. You know what? That's a positive for Blue Jackets fans. Seth Jones is finally rounding into form. So there we go. Exactly. Yeah, he had a bad January, but he's he's finally January. he's finally recovered from playing about 195 minutes in one game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, with with the way with last summer and then the weird, you know, the off season in October and November instead of playing games, it's just weird. Right. Because remember, in the bubble, he was he was coming back from right, a broken right. foot, so. He came back from a broken foot, played approximately every single second of that bubble, and has now finally recovered. So Seth Jones finally rounding into form just in time for him to play out his contract year and make all kinds of money. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Be sure to follow us at CBJ Cannon on Twitter, Facebook. Go to JacketsCannon.com. Read our previews and recaps and articles and all kinds of fun stuff. But we'll see what Columbus does this week. Maybe they'll surprise us, get a couple of wins. They need to. And we'll just see how it all plays out. But we'll be back next week. And thanks again for listening. And we'll see you all next week. Subscribe to the Cannon Cast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can catch every episode. Leave us a review and a rating. And as always, we welcome your thoughts and feedback. Go to JacketsCannon.com for more Blue Jackets coverage from us. And follow us on Twitter at CBJ Cannon. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Perley and the Howlin' Moons. Check out AngelaPerley.com for more music and show dates. Yeah.